Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, January 24th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm in for Steve Peasley today. And as you may know, Steve was up in San Jose yesterday conducting portfolio reviews for Invest Talk listeners and clients. And we think uh, we think the people who made time to sit down with Steve. And if you'd like a no-cost portfolio review, simply send us a message through investtalk.com. Sorry about this. I'm getting a, getting a call. Now, our job and our daily objective each and every day is to make you an above-average investor, to help you think independently and hopefully share our success with you and help you achieve whatever goals that you might have. And I promise to provide my unbiased insight, uh, try to make it so it's it's not like CNBC. Uh, we want to be the, the antithesis of that. And along the way, I welcome your investment questions, whether it's about a, the market, uh, about a mortgage and real estate market, maybe it's about a uh, particular sector in the in the stock market, bonds, interest rates, currencies, commodities, whatever it is, I want to hear from you. You can get through right now to our Invest Talk Anytime line. It is our listener line, 888 chart 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, Apple is at about $154 a share. It's it's cutting a couple hundred uh, people from its self-driving car initiative. I think this is really interesting because if you think about it, they cut 200 people from their self-driving car division and many other companies who tout that they are pushing for driverless cars, they 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 employ far less than that uh, working on their division. So it just shows how big Apple is, the, the behemoth that they are, and the fact that they are working on a car. Uh, and there's a lot of unanswered uh, questions in this space, but I do think it is something to be on the radar uh, in 2021, 2022. That's likely when Apple will be launching their version uh, of an electric car, which I think will be very, very interesting. Now, there continues to be leaks about the U.S. and China trade settlement, and China is 20% of the world's GDP, and that comes from uh, their trade exports, and that means mostly from trade with the U.S., okay? So this is very, very important to stabilize not only their economy, but the global economy. And they really need to reach a tariff deal with the United States, and uh, you know we're 
what, six weeks away from the deadline, or five weeks away from the deadline, which is uh, really the end of February. And remember, February is the shortest month of the year. So it's going to come by quick, or come up quick, and I don't see any progress there. And that really is something to continue to watch. I know they, they, they put out these headlines that were making headway and where things are things are happening uh in a positive manner but there's really been no substantial uh claims or 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 details about what that progress looks like okay so uh that's something i think needs to be still on the top of everybody's radar of what is that agreement looking like are they getting closer to an agreement because that will be definitely beneficial for the global economy as a whole, uh, but specifically for China and the United States. Now, we are in day 34, the partial government shutdown, and it's starting to really bite. TSA agents are working without pay, and some of them are talking about just walking out. Walking out. Uh, you know, the positive earnings news has allowed the market to mitigate some of the tensions in Washington, D.C., but the longer it drags on, the more it's going to drag on GDP growth. So I don't think, uh, I, I don't think it's going to have any long-term effects, uh, just like I said in the recent past. But it, it can have some near-term effects on earnings, but I think it'll be minor as long as it's... Uh, you know, fixed within the next few weeks, which I do think it will it will be because there's just building tension happening, and I think that's likely going to get resolved. Now, as you can tell, there's a lot of market news to talk about today. But first, let's grab a question from our anytime listener line at eight at eight ninety nine chart. Let's go to actually we're going to go to Vitaly in Atlanta. He's asking about Cisco. Yes, um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to find out uh, what you think about Cisco at this price level and with this current market. Okay. Well, Cisco is obviously a, a large bellwether stock uh, in the tech industry, which, you know, this isn't a great time for, for tech stocks in general, but that's typically for, you know, it's not a good time for growth names. And Cisco really isn't a growth name anymore, right? It's a $205 billion market cap company, does $13 billion or so per quarter. Revenue grew 8% last quarter, which is a nice growth, but it's not going to be uh, gangbusters, right? Yields 2.9%, earnings up 23%, or sorry, 19% projected uh, to be up this year, 9% next year. Modest amount of debt. Let's take a look at some of the deeper numbers. Return equity is only 2.5%. That worries me a, a, a little bit, uh, and, and I'm wondering why that is. Obviously, that's not a long-term number. Otherwise, Cisco wouldn't be where it's at, but that's where it is uh, most recently. Uh, are you looking to buy Cisco for the dividend or for growth? What is your purpose? And is it long-term or just like a trade? Um, I mean, I was looking for about a year. Um, I currently own a, uh, just small uh, bundle of shares, and I was looking to increase my shares. I was hoping to see it grow, um, and the dividend, of course, doesn't hurt. Yeah. Well, the dividend does look for, uh, pretty sustainable, and they don't have uh, much debt at all. In fact, their enterprise value is lower than the market cap, which uh, means they have a lot of net cash in their balance sheet, which is good. Um, so... I, 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 don't, I like it from that perspective. I like companies that are have strong balance sheets in this market. 
my biggest worry is that it's in the tech industry um, and it's as a cyclical business. So uh, it, it did break down with the overall market. It's bounced with the overall market, but it hasn't really gotten anywhere close to the recent highs. And that tells me that this will likely roll over again with the, with the overall market. So I like Cisco from a long-term perspective, but if you're saying a year out, you know, I just don't like the market in general, and I don't like tech stocks between now for the next year. So that's why I wouldn't be buying Cisco for like a, a year time frame. But long term, very profitable, nice dividend. Uh, but I just don't think in a year from now that we're going to be higher than we are today in Cisco and in the overall market. But thanks for the call. 888-99 chart 888-992-4278 if any of the information discussed on today's program raises further questions in your mind with regards to how market news may affect your portfolio i encourage you to reach out to steve or myself at kpp financial you can call our dana point california office or send us a message through investtalk.com and we can tell you you know if we go into a bear market, we're in a bear market, what type of volatility might your portfolio have in that type of scenario? I think that's a very important to understand what type of risk you're taking and if you're comfortable for, with that type of risk. Now, our anytime listener line never closes. And at the moment, I'm taking your questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure that your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, you can find investment strategies and unbiased guidance anytime at investtalk.com. Justin Klein is in for Steve today, and Justin is taking your questions live. Call 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Now our main talking point today is rising incomes have catapulted millions into China's new middle class, and it already is the world's leader in e-commerce sales. And now a new report claims China will be expected to overtake the U.S. as the world's number one retail market this this year. And we'll look at that story and why that's important for the globe, as well as some other topics as well. You know, the housing market has been weak. You, you, you look at the, the numbers that are coming out and there's a lot of weakness, right? But if you look at the stocks, the housing stocks over the past even just a few months, and you know, I'm mean just this year, but two, three months, they've been relatively good. And there's a big reason for that. And I'm going to talk about why. And what it's going to teach you is how the market looks forward. Everyone focuses on headlines of economic numbers, but typically those are backwards looking. What does this tell you about how to invest in the market? So we're going to get to that. Also, this was a, this is a story a couple weeks old, but I think it's important to understand where we are in the credit cycle. We've talked about the credit cycle being really the economic cycle. That's really what it is. You know, as soon as credit starts to dry up, economic activity stops happening, and we go into recession. So this is an indicator that. Uh, after a rough December, 
things are starting to open up a little bit and we're going to talk about the junk bond market there uh, and then lastly there's some de some deductions went away uh, from the tax bill and this might be important for you especially now that you're preparing probably your taxes for 2018 and maybe planning for how to handle yourself from a tax perspective in 2019 so we'll eventually get to that as well but ultimately I want to know what is on your mind I want to hear what is uh, what, what are you thinking about and we're gonna first go to Chris in Kentucky he's looking at Philip Morris yes bought a PM at around $68 so I just thought that uh, it's been absolutely crushed and fundamentals look really solid kind of across the board I uh, love the dividend and uh, growth prospects for the next two to three years let me get your own thoughts okay gotcha well, this is uh, for everyone out there, Philip Morris International. They're different from Altria. Uh, Altria is domestic, and they have their own leadership and way they're going. They, they just bought Juul and investing in the marijuana industry, etc. Whereas Philip Morris, uh, it's still tobacco-focused, and it is all foreign sales, basically. And... One big factor in this is the value of the U.S. dollar, right? Because you're buying this in dollars, and the vast majority of Philip Morris revenues are in other currencies. So when the dollar is strong, like it has over the been over the past year or so, then Philip Morris earnings are going to go down in relation, and that's what you're actually seeing. Year last quarter, year-over-year revenue dropped one percent, which not a big drop, but Certainly, the strong dollar didn't help that. So, yield 6.4%. And you have to ask yourself a big question. Where is the dollar headed? Now, uh, the, the Fed is no longer consistently tightening, right, uh, when it comes to raising interest rates. But they are still doing QT. Are they going to continue with that? If they aren't, they stop that. That will certainly weaken the dollar, and that will be a big factor. But I think we're near the end of the recent dollar move. The dollar's starting to weaken a little bit, and I think that's positive. Uh, so I like it from that perspective. Long term, it's very profitable. The dividend looks very sustainable. Uh, and their balance sheet, while they do have about $30 billion in debt, uh, you know, it's it's sustainable because they do $30 billion in revenue a year. Uh, so I like Philip Morris at these levels. I think it's a good value. Uh, however, the, understand that the direction of the dollar is going to play a big factor in where this stock goes because revenues are not going to be in dollars typically. Thanks for the call, Chris. I like it, but. Uh, dollar is going to be a big factor. 888.99 chart, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Let me remind you that the Invest Talk radio program and podcast replays, replay provides your daily dose of market news with unbiased commentary. You can subscribe on Invest Talk, sorry, at iTunes. You're listening to Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure your investments are performing as well as they should be? You can find investment strategies and unbiased guidance anytime at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Now, our main talking point today is about 
China overtaking the U.S. as the world number one retail market this year. And the projection is for Chinese retail sales to grow about 7.5% this year, which is actually the lowest growth rate, crazy to think, uh, in 15 plus years, to $5.6 trillion in 2019. And... That is going to surpass us here in the United States, even though our retail sales are projected to increase 3.3%, but that's only to $5.5 trillion. So China's on our heels and likely to pass us this year. And what's even more interesting is that by the end of the year, China will comprise of about 56% of all world's online retail sales. That's crazy to think about. Majority of the world's e-commerce happens in China. And about 35% of their of the country's online or retail sales happens online as opposed to only 11% here in the United States. So it shows that there's a lot of runway for us here in America to buy more and more online. If China can do over a third of their retail sales online, then why can't we? Okay. But it also shows you the power of the Chinese consumer. Over the past, uh, you know, five years or so, the Chinese government is trying to shift their economy from export-driven and having all to do with their businesses that uh, service the rest of the world to something that is more about residential investment and consumption. And the good news is that's still happening. And they're still working towards that. But the amount that China Chinese citizens spend per capita is still far less than here in the United States. It's about a quarter. $4,000 annually in China to $16,600 here in the United States. So... China's sales and their their economy still has a lot of room to run. But the big question is, can they continue to grow their GDP, grow their industries, and find ways to grow their, their, their economy besides exports? And that's going to continue to be their biggest challenge. And it's one underestimated factor uh, about the United States is that we have a very diverse economy and a very wealthy economy. So that's the positive that I get out of this figure is that not only are we still very diverse and much larger than China, right? Where our retail sales are four times as, as much per capita and we're growing about half of what their retail sales is growing. And that's a positive, and it just shows that they, we, we, the consumer is alive and well. And I think this is a positive for our economy and the potential growth. So e-commerce uh, players here in the United States should do very, very well. 888.99 chart, 888-992-4278. Let's grab another question from our Anytime listener line at 888.99 chart. Hi, guys. I just wanted to mention I love your show a lot, and... 
I wanted to ask, 18 years old, uh, very early on getting into the financial market, and I'm trying to figure out what might be some of the best early steps that I can make to really try and, you know, grow my investment zone portfolio. Like, would you invest, would you recommend getting into the stock market now or should I wait until a recession hits? You know, what would just be my best options just starting out at a very young age? I appreciate the response and I hope to hear hear from you guys. Love the show. Bye. This is a common question I get, but it's something that I think applies to a lot of you out there. Uh, most of you are probably still in the beginning of your journey. Uh, maybe not, you're not 18 uh, and still uh, very green. Maybe you're just kind of green. Uh, maybe you figured a few things out, uh, but you aren't fully there. Uh, and that's hopefully what we're helping you do is to, to get fully there and be able to do this on your own, even though that's a difficult endeavor. Uh, but to start, you need to focus on two things. One is simply saving. Most people don't realize that the biggest factor in their success for financial freedom is going to be saving. Everyone wants to get rich quick or make the big buck and they want to you know, invest and, and make money on their money. And that's certainly an important factor. That's why we're here. But we're also here to communicate that you need to focus on saving number one. That's all of you, whether you're 18 or 35 or 52. Likely you have not saved enough and you need to start saving more. So you need to focus on that A number one almost for the rest of your life. Number two, being that early in the stage, you just need to read and learn. Don't take any action yet. Save it, put it in an IRA, a Roth IRA, sit put the money away and then learn and focus on learning. Not enough people do that, okay? Now tomorrow on Talk, YouTube's bet against big cable is going for a nationwide expansion. The YouTube TV product will soon cover 98% of US households. That story tomorrow, Steve will get to that. But for now, I'm Justin Klein and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Invest Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go to research tool? Y Charts. It's a cloud based financial research platform. It is indispensable. Y Charts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use Y Charts every day. Y Charts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YCharts has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bluebird Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. 
So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious, get YCharts. This is Invest Talk, and we're glad you're with us today for one hour of financial news and perspective. And your decision-making process can benefit from this practical and unbiased advice, especially if you consult with Steve or Justin. Step up now with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. We have about twenty minutes or so left in the show, so if you're going to give it your call, do it sooner rather than later. Now the housing market is clearly weakening, or has been weakening. Home buyer traffic fell fourteen percent in December, uh, year over year. Uh, this follows a 12% fall in November. Existing home sales were down 10% year over year in December after downset being down 7% uh, in November. So things are clearly getting worse. And this is the steepest year over year decline in sales since May 2011. And if you look just six months back, it's even worse. Okay. So sales prices are eroding and median sales prices declined 1.4% in December. That's the fifth decline in six months. And shave the year-over-year price growth trend to 2.9% from 4.1%. Okay, and that's so you're having decelerating growth in prices, which is to be expected, right? The the median home price is still up 7.6% over last year. So things aren't completely falling apart. Uh, and there's still some areas of the market or the the country that are that are affordable, like Minneapolis, Charlotte, Philadelphia, Washington D.C. But many remain overvalued. San Francisco, L.A., uh, Miami, those areas, uh, the the Northwest, sorry, Northeast, uh, are very very overvalued, and that they've come off some, but not to a dramatic fashion. And first-time home buyers are not really coming back at, at, a, at a strong clip. Only thirty-two percent of first-time home buyers were part of the market in November, uh, and healthy is like forty. Right. What's interesting, however, has to do with the housing stocks. If you look over the past, you know, couple months, the XHB, the Home Builders ETF, it's up six point three percent. This year, which is better than the overall market, after falling 25.7% last year. But even if you go back to last quarter when the market was down in a strong fashion in the fourth quarter, overall, home builders didn't go down too much. Definitely outperformed the overall market. And that shows you that the decline through most of last year was pricing in what was happening. What's happening now, right? With interest rates rising. And so the market was looking forward. Now what you're seeing is that housing prices, or at least the housing stocks, are basically flat since mid late October while the market remains down. And it's showing you that interest because interest rates have come down, mortgage rates have come down, you're going to likely see a better housing market 
over the next six months than you've seen over the past six months. Now, does that mean we're going into uh, an uh, upward trajectory in the housing market and, and we're going to make new highs in housing prices? Probably not. But it does mean that the market is looking forward and seeing what to expect over the next few months and expect better numbers to come out. Let's go to Cindy in Menlo Park. She's looking at PG&E. Yes. Hi. I have a small position and I'm just wondering what to do with it since the news broke out that it actually for the fire. What do you opinion on this? Yeah, well, they're, uh, the news is that they're not responsible for 2017 fires. But what about the 2018 fires, right? Uh, and 2019 fires that are to come. So to me, any bounce, and you'll likely get a large uh, rally in the shares tomorrow, tells me that, uh, you know, that, that, that's a time to sell. Uh, take take advantage of it and just get out. Because I do think that they are going to file for bankruptcy uh, because the I've said this before. The laws in California are terrible for companies like PG&E and Edison. So, could it be that all of the fires they're they're judged to not be liable for? Sure, but I think it's a very low chance. I think they do continue on with bankruptcy. Uh, maybe not tomorrow, but within uh, the next few months and your stock is going to be worth nothing. So I would take advantage of the rally and sell your position. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Cindy. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you are making the right choices with the money in your 401k. And candidly speaking, unless you have a lot of time to study the fundamentals, trends in the market, the fees within your, uh, within your mutual funds, the relative performance of the mutual funds, both near-term and long-term, it is very difficult to know just how to allocate it over time, right? And luckily, we can help at KPP Financial. We have a math-based model to guide you, and we can monitor and advise you on a quarterly basis, and then you can take timely action. It's called Active401k. You can read more about it at investtalk.com. Now, we still have time for your investing question. About 15 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, do it right now at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are ever unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, it may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for their individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. You can call with questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi. Steve and Justin. Listen to the show often. Love the wisdom. Thank you guys very much. I have a question. Looking at finding something um, safe maybe for the next year or two or more that pays a good dividend. Looking um, at a REIT, STWD. I was wondering what you guys think of it. Do you think going to a REIT now that the Fed might put a halt on raising rates 
might be a good idea, a good source of income, and kind of a good way to make some good money while being safe in this choppy market. Look forward to hearing your thoughts on this. Thank you. Love the show. All right, he's looking at Starwood Property Trust, STWD, and it is a REIT, but it is a mortgage REIT, which would be the riskiest type of REIT that you could probably invest in. Uh, it originates and invests primarily in commercial mortgage loans and other commercial real estate debt. E no, uh, this is even worse than the housing, uh, more you know, the home mortgage uh, REITs that are out there. Why? Because commercial REITs are even more commercial loans are even more cyclical, right? We talked about the leverage in the commercial real estate industry, and not only do you have secular headwinds from uh, online retail, which we've talked about, but also eventually I think you're going to have secular headwinds from uh, just not being, not needing physical space anymore, uh, such as parking lots, if we ever get to driverless cars, things like that. Um, that probably won't matter in this cycle, but if we go into recession, what are companies likely to do? Some are going to go bankrupt because they're over leveraged. Others are going to have to downsize and, and reduce their, their staff, which means they don't mean, need as much square footage. Uh, and, and I just think techno from technology perspective, they're not going to need as much square footage. Uh, and I think the commercial real estate market is going to perform terribly in the coming recession. So this is the one of the last type of REITs that I would be investing in. Now, do I like REITs overall? Yeah, I kind of do. Uh, you know, there, there are certain types, like uh, ones that are related to medical properties or senior housing, things like that, that aren't as cyclical. Uh, I think are going to do much, much better than the overall market and the REIT sector as a whole. But what I'm looking at for you with Starwood is likely you're chasing after that 9% dividend. And that is a very risky dividend to be chasing after when they're investing in such cyclical assets. So I would not be investing in Starwood, but I would be looking at REITs. Don't just look at the yield. I encourage everybody. Everyone's focusing on yield. They look at 8, 9, 10% dividend yield, and they think that that is all they need to consider. And it's not, especially in times like this. Let's go for a more modest dividend, maybe 4, 5%, especially on the read side. You're going to be able to find that pretty easy uh, in, in, in a company that owns assets that aren't nearly as cyclical and will do much, much better in a recession and hopefully a balance sheet that's not too levered as well. So stay away from Starwood Property Trust, but do look at the REITs that are out there because I think it's a great place to be allocating capital at this time. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have 10 minutes left in the show. And dovetailing on that a little bit, I want to talk about the end to the junk bond issue drought. It was about 40 days. All of December, there, was, there were no junk bond debt issues that were placed out there into the marketplace that were actually bought by investors. And that was for the first time that has happened in a month since 2008 when the credit markets really tightened up. And this is a big reason why you saw bond or stock prices drop dramatically in December uh, because the 
credit markets were, I don't want to stay, say, frozen, but they got kind of grimy, let's say that. And they weren't moving as easily as they have been over the last decade or so. Why? Because free money, easy money is, is drying up. Okay. Well, that streak of no junk bond issues ended about the 10th of this month. So we're a little late, a couple weeks late on this story. Uh, Targa Resource Partners went out and issued $750 million in bonds to roll their debt. Okay. And that's a positive. That's a good thing. That's what shows that the credit markets are getting their mojo back. And that is extremely, extremely important. And this is why I follow ETFs like AYHYG, JNK, BKLN. Those are all related to either the junk bond market or the leverage loan market, which is kind of junky in its own way. And those sold off dramatically in the month of December and have bounced back pretty strong. Now, are they out of the woods? No, uh, they're still in a downtrend longer term, uh, and it, it is, it's going to be an issue likely for 2019. You're going to see big rallies, big sell-offs. That's the way the market works when times are changing. Volatility tends to increase, and you likely see a trend change, and that's what we're seeing in those type of markets. But it just shows you that the junk bond market or the credit markets in general are extremely important not only to the stock market but the economy as a whole and it's always something every investor if you know what you're doing is keeping an eye on okay so you should be looking at those type of etfs uh look at the option adjusted spread on treasuries things like that and i think that will guide you to see where the credit markets are going because as long as the credit markets are open the economy will continue to grow if they aren't the economy will likely shrink. So that's a, that's a great talking point for today. Hopefully you all took something out of that. And I see that we do have time to squeeze in another caller question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Jeff from Salinas, California, podcast listener. I was hoping you could elaborate on what made 529 plans for other states better in comparison to, let's say, California. I've uh, heard an Invest Talk replay point out that Illinois, for example, was better than California's, but I was hoping you could point out what the pros and cons were for uh, other states versus California in particular. And I look forward to hearing your response in the next podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Typically, the main difference between 529 plans between states have to do with investment options uh, and how many there are, how good they are, uh, what the fee levels of the plans are, uh, and the flexibility of the plans, what, how much you can trade, things like that. Those are the features that make one better than the other. And remember, the 529 plan, you don't need to use your own state's 529 plan. You can use someone, uh, another state's 529 plan. Uh, and those are the main differences. So it's hard to say, oh, well, this is the best state for a 529 plan. Why? Because maybe the investment options in Delaware uh, are more attractive for you in particular in your goals and your strategy than they are in, say, Illinois or Ohio. Right, 
So it's hard to really say this is the best one. You need to understand what those options are. Uh, but going back to that beginner caller again, it's about saving. Uh, that's number one factor is how much are you saving uh, and which one is best is likely going to be uh, not a huge factor for you in the end and, and the savings for your child or whoever this is to benefit. And you need to focus on savings more than anything. Create that plan and then you look at which one is best for you. So this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. The week is moving fast. We only have one day left, right? Friday is tomorrow. And we still have about 10 minutes remaining in today's program. And I'm taking your calls live. So if you're going to get your call in, you need to do it right now at 888-992-4278. Invest Talk. It's official. YouTube's TV product will soon cover 98% of U.S. households. That story tomorrow. But now, Justin is here for Steve, and Justin is taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to John in North Carolina. He's asking about ConAgra. Are you looking to buy it, sell it, give it away? What is it? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Justin, I wanted to ask you if this is an example of a, a value opportunity or more of an example of a value trap. And the reason why I ask is because if you're looking at a chart, you can see it had a precipitous decline in December. And so now it has a low PE, mm-hmm. it has a high yield. And so, uh, you know, for an amateur investor like myself, I, I wonder if that's like a, an opportunity or something to avoid. Yeah, it's a great question. And for everybody out there, this is ConAgra brand. CAG is the symbol. They produce shelf-stable and frozen foods, retail food, and food ingredients and agricultural products. About a $10 billion market cap, but that's down by about 50% since uh, middle of 2017 when it was trading around uh, $40, $43 a share. Now we're at $21.15, and it's dropped quick. Uh, it was... Uh, Late last year, it was only it was still about thirty four, thirty five dollars a share, and now uh, it dropped. Do you know what that earnings news was exactly? Do you have any details on that for me? I do not. Um, I don't know if there was like an acquisition, maybe that was perceived poorly. Um, I know that packaged foods in general have not uh, mm-hmm. fared very well. So you know, B and G Foods has suffered a little bit. General Mills, Kellogg's have been mm-hmm. struggling. So I kind of chalked it up to the general packaged food uh, blight, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, what worries me a lot is that now they have about 10, uh, call it $11 billion in debt and market cap of $10 billion. And it drops so fast, it makes me wonder, are the bonds sold off as well? That's what I'd be looking at here. Uh, I would look at what the bonds are doing. Are bonds trading you know, sub $80, $85? That would tell me that this is now a company that's in financial distress you know, potential bankruptcy. And that would turn a value company into a value trap. And if you look at the enterprise value to EBITDA, it's still at 18. Uh, although the EBITDA, I'm yeah. sure, is depressed for whatever reason. Uh, it, it doesn't look super cheap at these levels. So uh, I know it yields about a 4% dividend. 
But if cash flow continues to, to go down uh, and suffer, suddenly that dividend could be in, in jeopardy as well as maybe the potential uh, uh, company going into bankruptcy. So to me, it looks definitely looks like a type of value trap. Uh, anything with a substantial amount of debt above its market cap, right? Its market cap is about $10 billion and its debt is about $11.5 net uh, billion. That makes me say, okay, this could be potentially in going into financial distress and a value trap. If they didn't have any debt, I'd say it's probably relatively cheap and this is a short-term issue. Um, but ultimately, I wouldn't be buying this at this level. And the chart is just trending bearishly and I wouldn't. I don't like it. I would stay away from it. Right, Thanks for the call, John. Discussion. No problem. Well, it looks like we can get one more caller question in that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. Thank you for all that you do in, in helping us out with our questions. I was looking at my portfolio the other day, and I noticed that I am completely invested in the United States and China and got to looking around, and I came across a company called Naspers Limited, N-P-S-N-Y. I was just curious if you could take a look and give me your opinion if this is a company worth investing in. Thanks a lot. Bye. Okay, he's looking at Naspers Limited. It's about a $95 billion market cap. It's pretty large. Uh, it is in the technology area. I don't have a ton of information on it. It's a multinational group engaged in operation media and internet platforms. It operates includes internet services and e-commerce, including online classifieds, online retail, and payments, pay television, and print media. So it, it's pretty well diversified. Let me look. Where is their where are their headquarters? I'm trying to see that. Is that are they in China? Naspers Limited. I wish I wish I had more. Yeah, it looks like they are in China. Uh, you know, I don't have a ton of information to be frank. They pay a small dividend. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know enough about it. I wish I could give you some information, and I just don't. All I have is. Earnings down 39% year over year, and revenues are up five. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't have enough information to make a decision. Thanks for the call, though. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Steve will have highlights from the latest KPP Premium newsletter tomorrow. Have a nice evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.